right, it is episode 244 of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. It is Tuesday night, the AEW Revolution post show. I'm Elio. He's Ben. Ben, what's going on? How was your week, Ben? Very, very uh, fun and very, very long at the same time. And um, full of wrestling, actually, because I, uh, in addition to um, the Revolution show, um, which I can't wait to get into, tons of stuff to dissect. Um, I also had uh, our first major elite pro show of the year, so oh, I was you... able to go to that and have a lot of fun with that. So, so are we, so we going to get a rundown of that? I, I can I can do that because I actually I, I did a write up for him on on. All right, show, that's, so. yeah, that's cool. Let's uh, do that, Tom. I guess was Dad there? <laughs> y- yes, he was. He was actually, <laughs> oh my god! Um, he actually debuted a new talk show segment. Oh no! He he made it his mission statement to make it better than Ms. TV, which won't be hard to do because Ms. TV is is nap inducing oh wow okay so we have a we have another show you cover in addition to revolution and raw and of course we have i found two videos uh ranking with the top 10 uh wb themes and of course wrestling with that so bounce get into well you know what let's go with your show first Okay, let me just pull up the um, the article I did so I have all, all right. the matches. Uh, let's see. So this took place on uh, when did this, this Saturday night? This was Saturday night, yes. All right, cool. And I'm just pulling up the, uh, the card. Here we go. So the first match of the evening was the Steel City Sex Pistol Shane Malice. Versus a new guy, Real Deal Ryan Colby. And actually, when I first saw this match being advertised... I'm, I'm, sorry, honest, I'm sorry, this was a tag team match? Uh, no, this was a singles match. Uh, so what was the, the, what was the first name he said? Steel, uh, he's known as the Steel City Sex Pistol Shane Malice. All right, okay. Uh, versus Real Deal Ryan Colby. Okay. And when I first saw this match advertised, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a squash match because um, Shane Malice is one of our top guys, and um, Ryan Colby was a, a debuting talent. I And I admit that I had never heard of him uh, before he made his debut. Okay. Um, which is which – is, uh, abnormal because usually at least I have some knowledge of the guys we use before they get brought in, brought into the show. Um, so I was expecting a squash match, but it really wasn't, um, which was, was actually a pleasant surprise. Um, and um, yeah, this was, this was a, this was a very solid opener. Um, very, um, very um, fast pace once it got started. You know, they, they spent a lot of time, uh, you know, feeling each other out, kind of, um, you know, hyping up the crowd because that's what, that's what Shane Malice does to antagonize the crowd. He kind of pretends to start wrestling and then he 
backs away or puts his head under the rope, you know, kind of the classic heel stuff. Okay. Um, but um, let, let's see. So the first really big move was a Hurricane Runner to the outside by uh, Ryan Colby, which was actually nice. It wasn't just what you usually see. Um, I sometimes I wish we had more video of, of these shows, kind of, so I could show you what I'm talking about. But um, and then um, we had a lot of um, hard hitting shots. Ric Flair would have been proud. Um, and they they weren't the bullshit shots of um, of say you know Eddie Kingston or any of that. Uh, you know I I don't like Eddie Kingston's style of chop because it's just you know, to me, that's not a pro wrestling chop. That's like, let me beat the shit out of your chest so it's hamburger meat. And that's, to me, that's not wrestling. Yeah. Um, but this was actually wrestling chops. Um, and then, um, and then the big moves of the match were uh, Spine Buster by Colby, um, followed up with a huge cutter that, um, was very similar to like an RKO out of nowhere. Um, but then ultimately Malice got the victory um, after hitting a roll-up super kick to secure the three counts. And, and luckily he did not he did not announce his finishing move like the Young Bucks. Sorry, you, you bring up the RKO. But um, you know, you know who's a finisher. I like Sol Rukas. And and what and what does she use as her finisher? Her move is called the Soul Snatcher. which she does is she jumps up on the top rope, and she does a backflip and into a modified RKO. Oh, that does sound cool. Yeah. Speak, speaking of NXT, um. You know, I, I was thinking since we're coming back on Saturday and, um, and you know, Tuesday's show for some reason is considered a special. Um, I figured I would maybe watch that if you wanted to cover it on the show well, on it, Saturday. Uh, tonight's show is a roadblock. Uh, yeah. Good. yeah. Do you want to cover that on Saturday? Yeah, we do that. Okay. And then so the, the next match was Coach Michael Osborne versus Chris Gatton. And um, and Coach Michael Osborne is actually associated with Dad as part of um, – and Dad is a acronym for Daniel Alexander Dabrowski. They're in a uh, – oh, Hold on, hold on, hold on. So we have the Dad and the Coach. <laughs> what? Yes. And, yes and, and, and then there's one other guy who's a uh, professor. So it's quite the uh, it's quite the scholastic tag team. So um, let's see. Yeah, this one was um, Coach Michael Osborne versus Chris Gatton, and this match was very much focused on uh, mat wrestling, with each guy trying to uh, secure the submission. Um, and I I actually called it in my review a match worthy of a certain of a surgeon because that's how uh, sub submission focused it was. Um, Osborne was really focused on um, targeting Gatton's arm 
Where, whereas Gettin was was focused on, um, let me see, let me see. I ha I have it in my notes. Let's see which uh, body part Gettin was focused on. I think he was focused on. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got that backwards. So Osborne focused his attention on Gettin's arm and then shifted the attention to the to the knees, and then um, Gettin was focused on the legs of Osborne. So so each one of them were going back and forth trying to secure submissions. Then we got a little bit of high flying action um, because Gatton actually went for a leapfrog and I I thought initially that he got hurt because he landed very awkwardly. Luckily I don't think he did. I think it was just a setup for the next move, which was actually a chop block. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you, Elio, but I don't like chop blocks even in wrestling because it's just, that that's like no. a tailor-made way to blow somebody's knee out. I mean, there's a reason why they were banned in, in football. So, you might as well use a baseball bat, same thing. You're like, uh, yeah, I don't like it. So, so that's just something that I don't like. Um, but, um, you know, no, nothing against either guy. That's just a move I don't like. Mm -hmm. um, but then, um, so there was a lot of chops and punches again. Chops are just so overused in wrestling. Can we stop that, please? <laughs> right. Um, and then what, a big move was getting hit a floating DDT before securing the submission by locking up the leg. Um, similar to like a um, similar to like an ankle lock, where but like where you wrap the body around the entire leg. Okay. Um, and then in the next match, this is where action really picked up. Uh, it was a handicap match, which was very interesting because this handicap match was for the elite pro tag titles. Um, the, uh, Hold on, I'm the, sorry. Before you go on, Elite. What, what's the full name of uh, the company? Elite Pro. Elite Pro Wrestling Alliance. Okay, because I'm gonna go look this up once and for all. Because I keep forgetting. I keep wanting to look it up, and then I keep forgetting the name. Yes. Um. Well, I can I can send you the Facebook link again Elite if you like. Pro Wrestling Alliance. All right, go on. So um, the, the the one half of the defending champions, uh, Mason Walls, he's part of a tag team called Black Magic, and they they're the tag team champions coming into the evening, and he was scheduled to appear on the um, first ever edition of Dad's new talk show to discuss the, the status of his tag team title reign because it appears... Oh, no, does, does, does Dad Sock Show have a name? Um, I didn't catch it. That's why I just called it the Davey Owen talk show. Because if, okay. if, All right. if he did, I didn't catch it over the crowd noise. Okay. Um, but um, but it appeared that his, um, his tag partner, uh, whose name is Tony, Tony Mako or Mako, I think it's Mako had suffered an injury and they had to drop the the titles. I think that's where the the segment may have, may have been headed before the interruption. Um, 
But so the, there's this new tag team that consists of Cisco and this guy ISP, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. It's Israel something, but the S and the P, I'm not even going to try to pr- pronounce. But they pretty much collectively they're known as the Birds of Prey, and okay. they um they surrounded the ring, and uh, for some reason this handicap match was was sanctioned for an elite pro tag team title title match. I'm not sure how a handicap match it works for an elite pro tag title, but um, but somehow these weasels, uh, you know, managed to intimidate somebody into ringing the bell, those bastards. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, I'm, the, guessing the, you were, I'm guessing that was you. That was uh, uh, ringing the bell. Uh, no, that was not me this evening. They had a, oh. they, they had a, they had a different person doing it. Oh, okay. Um, because I was um I was t- taking notes to do a, a special report on the show. Um, so um, so this poor guy Mason Walls was just you know thinking he was gonna come into the building to to debut on a talk or to to um to help build up a debuting talk show, and he ends up getting attacked and and. Uh, finding himself in a two-on-one situation. Suffice, suffice to say, if you know anything about Cisco, I had never seen ISP before, but if you know anything about Cisco, if you get, if you get sneak attacked by, by this guy, you're fucked. You know what um, ISP stands for? You, you, I, ISP is Internet Service Provider. Well, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, Mr. Mason Walls lost all his service at the end of this match. I can assure you of that, because he he got he got absolutely destroyed with the brief exception of a of a very small comeback okay. in in the middle of this. But uh, suffice to say, he was he was put away um, with more efficiency than than. As if Goldberg were to face Gilberg in an actual match, once once they secured the permanent advantage, um, the ending of the match came with a clothesline and neckbreaker combo, followed by a TKO and a big splash. Um, and the Birds of Prey picked their victim clean of his gold, and were crowned and were crowned new tag team champions. It was a pretty television show. I, I know they one they interrupted a new TV show, and, and by the way, re- re- remember, folks, if if you uh, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, I've talked about Elite before, and I've I've mentioned Dad, and and part of this Dad gimmick is um is his theme music is the uh, is the um. Is the intro music for Family Matters? It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> I, 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 just, I can't picture someone coming up to the theme from Family Matters. <laughs> well, no, it's just hilarious because he comes out and, you know, his, his Letterman jacket and he's got the dad shoes and the socks up to his knees almost. And it's like, as days go by. And it's wow. Just, you have to see it. It's just, it's hilarious. But, um, 
Well, I'll tell you one person who wasn't smiling at the end of the night was Mason Lowell. So I am curious to see where that feud goes. Okay. Uh, next up, we had Bodie Williams versus Reggie Collins. Now, Bodie Williams, b- before he turned heel, because, uh, you know, let's, let's keep K-Fabe intact here, folks. Wink, wink. Um, but before he turned heel, um, he was like the golden boy of elite for years, and then for some reason he got a bug up his ass. That's why he turned heel. Um, and then he uh, <laughs> he um, he goes up against uh, Reggie Collins, who's the who's the new golden boy of elite. Um, he calls himself the slice of nice. So so pretty much, um, it it looked like. It looked like Reggie Collins was about to get chewed up and spit out, but uh, for some reason he, or by some miracle, he pulled off a comeback and eventually got the victory um, by, uh, you know, just outlasting this guy. I mean, I know that's a shitty description for a match, but that's pretty much, uh, you know, I mean, I'm going to take you through some of the moves, but like, Literally, if you knew Bodie Williams' history with this company, like, there's really no, um, you know, excuse as to why Reggie Collins should have beat this guy. And I, I, I like Reggie Collins. Once again, wink, wink, we're keeping it in kayfabe here. Um, you know, but it's just, you know, Bodie Williams must have been having an off night because at the beginning of the match, Reggie Collins was getting his ass kicked. Um, you know, Bodie even did his best Undertaker impression by hitting a leg drop. And, um, you know, of course, he hit the signature chops on the apron beforehand. Um, and then and then Reggie had to win via a roll-up. I, I hate the fucking roll-up. I hate roll-up wins. I just, I just despise it. Yep. I just, I truly, I just... Can we stop? And then, and while we're at it, while we're at it, can we add something else to the list? Sure. You know, there's something in wrestling called a rest hold. I understand that. Ooh, okay. Can we not use the fucking chin lock at every opportunity? Let me tell you but, something. You would have been bored if if you were if you had sit through a wrestling match from like thirty years ago. Or forty years ago, because dude, that's that that was wrestling. A lot of wrestles between the guys. I mean, it's just I I don't I don't get that. So that is something about modern wrestling where I appreciate the faster pace. But WWE is guilty of using a chin hold on almost every single fucking match, and that's just something I hate. But anyway, uh, Reggie Collins escaped without getting his face bastion which was quite frankly a goddamn miracle in my opinion um and then the the next match was actually featured one of my favorite guys um it was anthony athens versus the aforementioned professor who's who's associated with dad and the coach uh jacob edwin and this match was for the elite pro hybrid championship and to give you a background on the Elite Pro Hybrid Championship, it actually used to be the 
Elite Pro Cruiserweight Champion. Oh, Elite okay. Pro Cruiserweight Championship. But then a heavyweight uh, beat the former Cruiserweight Champion, who happened to be Reggie Collins at the time. But then a monster beat him for that title. Um, and it was like, well, what the fuck? <clears throat> Clearly, this guy's not even on a cruiserweight, so they had to they had to change the the name of the title to the Elite Pro Hybrid Championship. So it's it's kind of the the equivalent to um like the Intercontinental title or the U.S. title in, yep. in Elite Pro terms. So I I I kind of like personally how they how they did that. And he just kind of made it make sense um, and uh, did something a little different. Because, uh, you know, because I was actually, because they made this, cha- this change a while ago. It's not like the hybrid championship is new, but it's like I happened to be there when when the title switched hands okay. and became the hybrid championship. And I'm like, well, what the fuck are they going to do with this now? Because... It's not going to be a cruiserweight championship, but um, but I like the way that they pulled that off. All right. Um, but anyway, um, so Anthony Athens is one of my um, favorite competitors right now. He's he he could be big in other places down the line. That that's how good I think this guy could be with a little bit more seasoning. But um, but this one was really in um. Defined by hard hitting. I mean, I know that that is a um, that's a cliche, and Tony uh, would kill me for saying that because he has a pet peeve for for using hard hitting as a description of a match. But um, but this was definitely in that category. A couple of the um, highlight moves were um, were a Pele kick by Jacob Edwin. Mm-hmm. And uh, a neck breaker and a big elbow drop to follow up shortly after. Um, Mr. Athens, the Greek god himself, got <laughs> and started using clotheslines and power slams. He he literally comes out looking like a gladiator with a Spartan helmet. It's kind of funny um, and intimidating at the same time. Oh, like Farouk in '96. Well, yeah, but, but 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 let's be honest with you. Far- Farouk's helmet was fucking stupid. Yeah, and it and, it, and, it was an awful blue too as well. And 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 this guy Anthony Athens helmet is an actual Spartan's helmet, and it it actually looks cool and intimidating. And okay, it's a it's a nice it's a nice piece of ring gear. Whereas poor Ron Simmons. Was forced to wear this blue fucking. I don't even know what the fuck it was. It was brutal, and uh, he had Sonny of all people as his manager. Come on, really? <laughs> but okay, but I'm glad you brought that up because because can someone explain to me what Farouk and Sonny had in common? Like, how was that combo ever gonna work out? <laughs> <laughs> right. Somebody needs to explain that one to me because that one never made sense. Right, so what um, else do we have uh, before we go into commercial? We have six minutes. I'm sure you can get through it. Yes. So um, so and then um, so while um, his fellow 
Um, faculty member was getting his ass kicked by the uh, gladiator, Anthony Athens. Coach Michael Osborne, who competed earlier on in the evening, uh, attempted to um, smack him in the back of the head off the top rope with his playbook. <laughs> uh, but Anthony caught him, or Athens caught him, and delivered a fallaway slam and followed that up with his count the lights bicycle kick. Uh, very similar to um uh to like uh um Sheamus's bro kick. Yes, exactly. Um and then the final match of the evening, folks, was probably my favorite match of the evening. And quite frankly, to be honest with you, I don't have a lot of notes on this one because I just I put my phone down and just enjoyed the match. Um but there's two guys that I would recommend you look up on YouTube and see or see if you can find him in other places. And Elio, I'm gonna send you the Elite Pro Wrestling uh, page so you'll you'll see some info on these guys as well. Uh, TJ Sykes and Jason Radatz um, are two of my favorite guys in the company right now. Um, and uh, this was the epitome of like main event match. Like, I think that these guys could be very successful, like, at the higher le- level, uh, any company you want to put them in. And I, I, I don't say that lightly or because I'm playing favorites. Like, you know, I uh, I really do believe that they they could be something big um, down, uh, down the line as well. Um, <clears throat> so some of the big moves... Uh, Radatz is like a huge power guy because he, I mean, he puts Sheamus to shame. Like he's a he's a big red hand like Sheamus is. But if you think Sheamus is jacked up, holy fuck! You you guys have got to see the size of Jason Radatz. I'll I'll send you. I think I sent you a picture in the past. I think you did. You sent me one there. I have to go back and look. It's just like holy shit. <laughs> you know, I I remember him telling me a story before a show one time. Oh, um, I was never really a big Pokemon guy, but a, a kid um back in the day thought that he was a Pokemon character because one of the Pokemon characters is, like, huge and jacked up. So that was hilarious. But it, this one was a fantastic match. And um, and TJ would obviously uh, – well, not obviously because you guys don't know, but TJ Sykes retained the title because he's, like, our, our biggest guy right now. But um, it, was, uh, it was just a fantastic – main event, and I'm sorry if I don't uh, do a good description with this, but I'm running against the clock, and it's it's one of those matches where if it was on WWE television, I would just say go back and watch the fucking match. Um, this is, it falls under that category. So uh, with that being said, that wraps up our elite portion of the show. See what I did there. And we will be right back. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. We can get into AEW Revolution. Before that, though, um, Ben watched the uh, pre-show. The, the, what do they call it? They have the buy-in, or do they still call uh, that? Or No, it was, well, what was it this time? It, 
Zero, uh, it wasn't zero it was, hour. Was yes, it? it was. It was zero hour. That's exactly what it was. Wow. Um, okay. You see how AEW's ROH? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the one match that they had on the kickoff, it was Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers versus the Varsity Athletes and, Ar- and Ari Davari. Which, why the fuck is Ari Davari with the Varsity Athletes? Like, that's fucking weird. The varsity athletes is a weird team in itself, though. Like that name is weird. Well, you know, and the and even though they haven't been active, because I don't know what happened to um Griff Garrison, but but like um, you know, they had the the varsity athletes when he was with Brian Pillman, um, but uh, yeah, I just. I think both those guys, uh, Josh Woods and um, uh, Chinese, could be bigger, bigger deals if um, time is given to them. But it's not going to happen right now. I'm sorry, I had to go up and look up Mark Sterling. There's actually a page on him because he's an actual wrestler. Yeah. So apparently, he was trained by Brian Myers and Pat Buck and debuted in 2001. Oh, okay. So he's been around for a while. I didn't. I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, this was um, this this was actually a much better um, match than I would have anticipated. And um, I w- I would have liked to have. Oh, seen- sorry. Hold on. I just uh, read another thing under Wonder where it says personal. Mark uh, Sterling is close friends with Matt Cardona and Brian Myers and produces the major wrestling figure podcast alongside them. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Interesting. Cool. Wait, go on. Sorry. Um, so I, I would have liked it if this match was on the main show and, and they took off like the, um, um, the other, there was one other match that, let me let me go down and, and oh, wait, find wait, wait. it. Which one would you have taken off the main show, though? Um, no, that's that's what I'm trying to find. Um, I honestly, let me see. I mean, uh, the TNT title. Y- yes, I yes. Okay. Or, or no, you know what? You know what? The the tag team title Fatal Four Way I would have taken off. Oh, I would have okay. put I would have put that on the pre show. I, I really would have. Yeah, and Jeff um, Jeff doesn't need to be on a main show. Come on, in twenty twenty three. Yes. And, and and even so when we get down to it, I I found the TNT title match to be very disappointing. But we're jumping ahead and um um Let's come back to the um, beginning of the main part. Hold on, let me, right. let me scroll back up here. Fucking technology problems. Fuck off. Um, let, let's see. Yes, we're done with the pre-show. I don't need that anymore. Thank you. Okay, very good. So the first official match of the pay-per-view was Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. And um, this this match was was pretty good. I would say maybe a three out of five star. Um, 
Okay. Oh, you know what? While you're uh, doing that, sorry, I'm just gonna open up by saying that. I want to see how they rated it. Go ahead. To be honest with you, I I felt like Chris Jericho was a little bit slow in some of his movements, and I felt like he he choreographed a couple of things okay. um, that are, that were just you know you could kind of see him coming um, yeah. a little too much. Um, but I, but one thing that I that I really liked was the fact that they put Starks over him and they pulled the trigger on that. I absolutely feel like that was the right call, and um, this was obviously the biggest win of, of Starks' career. And the other thing too is like I liked how serious Starks was in this match. He, he wasn't doing any comedy bits. He wasn't, you know, um, posturing to the crowd. Okay, sorry, Ben. I'm going to cut off for a minute because I have wrestling that open. Yeah. The, 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 the dark match on the kickoff show, Zero Hour, what would you, would you give it? I, I, would have, I would have given that um, a three out of five. Okay, so the end of six, seven percent gave it a three. Yeah. Okay, go well, on. Did you give a rating for this one that we're on, Jericho? Uh, I I, w- I would have given it a three out of five as well. All right, yeah, and this one got a three out of five as well, for six with sixty percent of the votes. Um. Yeah. Like I said, Jericho seemed a little bit off. I yeah. wish we did. I wish we didn't get the the spot with the outside interference with Guevara and Andretti. That was just random and unnecessary. See, it's what I'm talking about. Uh, there are points uh, during the show where it felt like a three-hour episode of Dynamite. Um, you know, and, and like, the 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 part with the bat was, like, it was so obvious. And it's like the ref obviously had plenty of time to turn around and see that. And, like, you know, you could see, you could literally see Chris Jericho grabbing Stark's leg, telling him to like move closer to the bat or like get in position for this. And there was another, there was another spot where, um, where he, where um, Jericho literally pulled him, um, on on top of himself for um, for Sarks to execute another move. So some of this was just a little, you know, a little bit too, um, like I said, choreographed and just a little bit too rehearsed, and you could see it. Um, yeah. And um, and I do agree with the reviewer here that they said that Jericho seemed like really slow, and and just kind of just kind of not in top form here. But luckily for Ricky, I think he was hitting on all on all fronts here. Um, so it was it was a solid opener, nothing nothing special, but um, certainly a big moment for Starks. And um, hopefully we can move him past it now and get him to something uh, more importantly and and most importantly, folks, can we get him booked consistently where he doesn't disappear for seven weeks after this win, please? Yeah, I, I'm I'm telling you, bleacher report because I like, 
I have them open, like, in case I miss something. I just, like, have them, because I'd rather use them uh, than not bring aside. Yes. But, oh, my God. They, they, this, the, the opening match, this uh, Starks and Jericho. Yeah. So, uh, you gave it a three, right? They, okay, they gave it a B. Uh, mm, well, mostly because of Starks, I'll, I'll yeah. say I agree. Um, but, okay, so the next match was the final burial match between Kristen what? Cage and, and Jungle Boy. I was not looking forward to this one. Like, I just don't care about this match. Um, well, first of all, first of all, um... You know, the fact that they can't call it a buried alive or just what it is. Yeah. Just call it a casket match or whatever the fuck. Right? Then, because uh, I, when we did the predictions on our Friday night, uh, I, it said right there, final burial match. And I went and looked up. It was a, it's a buried alive match. Well, that's exactly what it is. I mean, even... Okay, so WWE owns buried alive. Just call it a casket match. You know, yeah. what the fuck? If it's if it's the same thing as what we've seen before, then just say that. You know what I mean? Um now one thing that I really, really enjoyed about this match was these two sold the fact that they hated each other's guts. They they really did. Now I think I think part of the reason why you and I might have come in a little bit cold on this match was because the the feud was cold coming into it because of of Christian Cage's injury. Mm-hmm. So that, that took all the heat out of the feud. And then, you know, I don't think they had enough time before the pay-per-view to build it back up to its proper level to get us excited to, for this kind of stipulation which isn't their fault but i think that that kind of hurt the match a little bit but like they made up for it but with the fact that they really sold the fact that these two hated each other mm-hmm. now now um the other part that i um really liked was um was just the the fact that um that jungle boy was was so much more serious in this in this match, you know. Like, yeah, you you could still see him struggling a little bit with the good guy versus the bad guy impulses in him, but um, it's just, you know, when you're in this kind of a match, you know, you have to unlock and kind of go to a different place in your head, and I I feel like. I feel like Jungle Boy um, did that, and it came through in, in, in the psychology of the match. So that's um, that's one thing that I really enjoyed. And then at the end of the match, um, I don't know, I don't know why Jungle Boy waited so long to close the lid of the thing. I guess he was paying his last respects to Christian, um, where he kissed him on the head or whatever to say goodbye to his to the man that was his mentor that became his enemy. That was a little weird for me, but yeah, I I, I can kind of see it with the story, but it was just kind of like these two just 
you know, they're trying to bury each other alive and you're kissing each other goodbye. Like, I, you but, know. But, and it was so weird. Like, when he, as soon as he closed the casket, the, the, as soon as he closed the lid, the casket just like, boom, it dropped. I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, I would I would have liked to have seen the visual of Jungle Boy throwing the dirt onto the casket. Yeah. I think that would have been much better than the visual of someone that, he, he, they were trying to hit each other with a shovel, um, and, you know, and now, and now he's, you know, kissing him goodbye at the end. Yeah. What I mean, what? So, part of me got it, you know, because like I said, he's saying goodbye to, to the man that was his mentor, um, you know, so he's conflicted with what he, with what Christian was versus what he became, um, but it, it, it's just on the other side of things, it's just fucking weird. Um, and like you said, the the ending of the of the thing where the casket just dropped that was that that was lame. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, that was just like what? Um, I didn't I, I didn't particularly care for that. Um, but um, other I mean other than that, this was your typical um, you know no holds barred match, but. The emotion is what sold it. I just wish that they hadn't tried to put a fancy name on it and make it something that it didn't have to be. But yep. but the, the guys did the best they could with what they had, and they did very good. It's just, it's just for me, and I think for you as well, um, Christian's injury really took us out of it. All right, in final grade. Um, I would say the same thing. I would say a three out of five. Wow. 80% gave it a four. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, I, I guess. But no, no, the first match that I would give a four to, honestly, was this next one. The AEW Trios titles match. The Elite versus the House of Black. Thank you, God. Oh, this is good. For putting yes. the belts on the House of Black. Yes. Hold My- on. Let me ask you. Did Brody did did Brody King not look scary with that face paint? Holy jeez! He, I, I mean, that's a scary looking motherfucker. Anyway, yeah, like um, I, I love that the face paint he had. You know, with the with the face paint and the tattoos, like yeah, because you know, like I'm a tattoo guy, but like you know what you know what made me laugh, like Jr.'s like tattoo related comments, like. That's a lot of ink coming at you. Holy shit. Like, right, right before he um, executed, I forget who he executed it on, but one of the, one of the members of the, the elite were sitting in a chair up against the barricade, and um, and Brody kind of did like a, like a modified running cross body into the guy. And... Um, and JR was like, holy crap, that's a lot of ink coming at this person. You know, it's just, it was just hilarious. Um, but um, but one thing that I really want to mention, because I, I have always been kind of like back and forth on Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Kenny, Kenny Omega really showed up. Here, um, and I think he really shined in this match because 
you know, Matt and Nick Jackson, they don't match up well with the with any members of the House of Black. No. Like it, they just it. They don't look like they're going to be in a serious fight with these guys. They're two different teams. Like, their styles are different. Their presentations are completely different. So it's like, I wasn't sure this was going to work. And I'm not sure if it did work entirely with with the Young Bucks and stuff. And and look, the Young Bucks are good at what they do. You know, I'm not going to... I've openly said that they've had some of the their best matches on pay-per-view. Um but but I've all, I've also said that I am not the biggest fan of the Young Bucks. And um and I think Kenny Omega was the guy that made this fight believable when they started their comeback on um the House of Black, because let's be honest, um you know, I would say seventy to seventy-five percent of this match was absolutely dominated by the House of Black. Um, you know, and I, th- I think, I think even when Don Callis admits it on commentary, you kind of know. So I, I feel like they did a really good job of, of selling the House of Black. Uh, one spot that re- legitimately made me uncomfortable. Um, was when um, Julia Hart got blasted off of the apron. Um, when um, when uh, I think it was Malachi Black moved out of the way and she yeah. got blasted by Omega with a kick. And I think Omega like looked down and then like glanced like momentarily glanced down and then uh, went back. You know, and like shrugged his shoulders like no big deal. Um, you know, yeah. and, and and like shout out to Julia Hart for taking that spot. I but I just I don't like that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, that's that's just me. You know, other people had an issue with you know MJF throwing a drink on the kid. You know, and and apparently, apparently the kid wasn't the plant. That's why I didn't get upset originally because like I thought the kid was the plant. Um. But apparently he wasn't, and and then you know the company made it right by you know letting letting the kid go backstage, meet his favorite wrestler Will Hobbs, meet some other ones, you know some, um, you know some people came and checked on him and blah blah blah. But I'll tell you what the the heat that um is going around online for. MJF doing that, and apparently Tony Khan did talk to him. So apparently Tony Khan didn't like the decision that um, that MJF made to actually throw the water on the kid, um, which I which I can completely understand. But at the but at the end of the day, like, is that really what you're gonna get upset about? Out of everything that, MJ, that MJF has done, like. In character as a heel on AEW TV, that like that's the hill you're going to die on. <laughs> like when AEW went out of its way to make it right with the kid. Yeah, right. You know, and it, and it's just, and I I personally have seen MJF online have very 
pleasant, playful, you know, in-character interactions with kids. Like, he's not a, a dick just to be a dick. Like, it, what he did was fully in-character. Oh, um, you know what? MJF, I, I, I saw a uh, video of MJF on TikTok once. He was like, uh, he didn't know that it was being, he was being filmed, but like he was dancing to Rockwell. Somebody's watching me. Yeah, it, it's just, um. And as uh, soon as he spots the camera, he like runs off. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's just, it's just weird. Like what people like choose to focus on. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the kid has sat there all night and watched somebody get stabbed with a fork. And like, that's what you're gonna get upset about was he got something thrown on it. What right? Whatever. Anyway, um, getting back to the elite versus the House of Black, um, I felt like this match was exactly what it needed to be. Uh, Kenny Omega, I think, was the glue that held it together for the elite. He had some really impressive shows of strength, um, especially when he picked up, um. When he picked up Brody King, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Because Brody King is not a small individual, folks. Holy fuck. <laughs> JR was not kidding when that said when he said that's a lot of ink and that's a lot of body. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. Um but I I mean I, I loved everything about this match and I, I really want um the house black to like take off to the next level and get yeah. the push that I feel that they should have gotten from from the beginning. So, very good stuff. Now, this next match, to be honest with you, uh, the fatal, uh, the, or I'm sorry, the triple threat match for the women's title, mm-hmm. I had one eye on and one eye off of because I was, you know, that was kind of my bathroom break match because, quite frankly, I just didn't really care. No disrespect to to any of the women involved, especially Jamie Hader, because I really enjoy her. Um, but is she just what? What is it like? And the actual action was was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, but it's like, what? Why would I invest in this match? This was like the last match added to the card. Um, you know. What reason did I have to get invested in this match? Soraya and Tony Storm have have cut some of the worst promos I've ever fucking oh seen. God, they are terrible. I, you know, and this return by Soraya, you know, and what I'm about to say is going to sound bad, but just go back and listen to what I said on previous podcasts about Soraya, and you'll realize that I've been very supportive of her return. Um. But let's be honest with you, the the, the what it what it has turned into from an on screen perspective has not been good. No, it's not. Um, you know, and and it's just why both Soho and Soraya got a got a women's championship opportunity. I will never understand. Like like look at Hater and like how hard she had to. Fight and the story that they told around her to get her in in a position to to win the women's title, and then they just give Soraya and Ruby Soho a shot for no reason. Yeah. You know why why didn't they build a, a story with 
with Jamie Hader and Britt Baker. What happened to that? Why couldn't we have why couldn't we have Britt Baker and, and Jamie Hader for the title at this pay-per-view? I I don't I don't get it. So I was kind of tuned out of this match. Right. Um I and I, I um I saw that Ruby Soho joined up with the other um ex WWE ladies. Yep, so she shouldn't heal, yes. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I, you know, and, and, and let me and let me clarify what I mean by that, okay? Because I love me some Ruby Soho. I, I, I was begging for her to be used better in WWE. I was so happy when she came to a, to AEW, and then they just. They didn't pull the trigger uh, with her. She got hurt or, you know, and some, some fucking idiot, I forget who, but some, someone broke her nose. Um, and it was just, um, you know, so it just hasn't been a good thing for her. And then, but why, <laughs> why? So, so you're going to, you're going to tell me Soraya and Soraya and Ruby Soho, what? <laughs> now, now, don't get me wrong. I, I can get behind a, a group that, that that consists of Tony Storm and and, and Ruby Soho because you know. But Jesus Christ, you know this is this is not the wrestler that Paige was. You no. know when when she got hurt. I mean, Paige is. I mean. So, Soraya is not on a level right now to be in a group with Tony and Ruby Soho. Like both of these ladies are going to be dragged down by this. And in Tony's case, she already has. I mean, this is like high school hijinks. You know, the, the you, you know what what this group makes me feel like I'm watching? It makes me feel like I'm watching The Breakfast Club, <laughs> and, and they have they have Molly Ringwald's character, and they have uh, and they have um, oh who who was the, who was the who was the one that Ali Sheedy I think her name was yeah Th- that's what that's what these two remind me of it's just what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Like who gives? <laughs> like individually they're incredible, but who get Like why are they together? Like who gives a fuck? Okay, final grade. Um, two. Fifty percent each voted. Fifty went with the three, and uh, fifty went with four. <laughs> You're high. Now hold on. Now here's what Bleacher said. First of all, they gave the Shields match an A minus. They gave they gave which match the 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 trios the Bucks and uh, I agree. I have no problem with that. Okay, but the the women's match that we just uh, finished, they gave it a B plus. Okay, look, this is gonna sound horrible, and no disrespect to these women. But but these people that are making these ratings when they're talking about this match 
Can I just be honest? Because I don't pull punches. They're thinking with their dicks. Checks out. Check check with the notes or the normal moments. Yeah. Now we just talked about how Saraya has not looked the best with this return, right? Mm-hmm. This might be the best Saraya has looked in the ring since returning. All the ring rust was gone. I mean, I can get behind maybe this was the best she's looked, but to say that all the ring rust was gone. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was I choked on my mountain do a little bit. I'm sorry. <clears throat> no. Uh, all, what? All the all the ring rust was not gone. Okay, you're gonna make me gag with that logic. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to drink a Mountain Dew, relax, and have fun doing my show. It's been a long week weekend. I've had a lot of work to do, a lot of fun stuff, and then you come in here and try to bring me down with, with the I'm bullshit. not breaking you down. Don't do it. No, no, no. I'm not taking you. You know, but 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 these these pleasure report idiots. Yeah, right. Are doing their best Brian Alvarez impression oh. while he, while he's sitting at MJS press presser. After the after the pay per view, did you see that that dumb motherfucker? <laughs> no, I I I don't even remember MJF eating pickles. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said penis, and then he real quick said pickle, pickle. <laughs> I I love MJF, absolutely love it. Um, All right, uh, Ben, uh, we see we go to commercial, uh, and then I'll be right back to finish up. Very good. All right, we're back, and uh, we're moving on to the next match. It was the Texas Death Match: John Moxley and Adam Page. And uh, Elio, uh, let me let me turn the conversation around because I've been talking a little bit too much. So let me. Let's switch roles here. What do you, what did you think of this? Yeah, match? Uh, no, no, you know what? <laughs> this match was everything I expected it to be. Of course, uh, I knew Adam Page would win because a uh, Hangman Adam Page Texas Death Match. Uh, but at the same time, we know John Moxley uh, loves his death matches, and he, apparently, in his mind, he still thinks he's in CZW. Because, of course, he had to go and bleed again, and he brought a fork into the match. Yeah, I know. Like, you're not a dude the butcher. Well, you know, and and I didn't have a problem with any other portion of the match because I'm not squeamish when it comes to wrestling. Oddly enough, if, if, you, if you try to get me to watch, like, a surgical thing on TV or a doctor thing on TV, I'm like, oh, my God. But, but when it comes to professional wrestling, I'm not squeamish. Um and, Unless it's um, really excessive blood, come on. Yeah, but when I, when you see the blood squirting all over Mox and yeah. breaking the fork, you know, it's yeah. like what that that was a little too much. Like, come on, but, that but that barbed wire match that uh, Moxley had with Omega, come on, when uh, Omega got trapped in the barbed wire, ouch. Yeah, well, I'm I'm hoping that it was gimmick barbed wire. I um, hope so. It better have been, otherwise he wouldn't be walking today. But um, so here was my tweet on the um, 
on the uh, Texas Death Match. Yeah, so let, let me see if I can find it. So the way that I put it was beautiful violence personified, at least when it pertains to John Moxley. I also said truly an epic ending to the Hangman Mox feud because for the style of feud that they've had, I thought I, I did I do think that this was the epic ending that it needed. I also said it was certainly uncomfortable at points, and I do believe the match itself would have been more impactful with the absence of blood throughout the entire feud. Um, if um, you know, if this had been one of the only times we would have seen blood, I think it would have been more, you know. You know, it would have been more shocking and more, it would have done the match you know, better. We say this every week on Wrestling POV. John Moxley needs to stop bleeding every single week. He doesn't need to bleed in every single match. You know, like, uh, what happened to him? Because he was never like this before when he started in AEW. He wasn't like this in WWE. Of course, it was different there. But, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. But it's it just... But for for a blow off match with a feud, and no, a this, blow off match. I understand, but like every week he's bleeding. It's like uh, at this point, I'm just like over it, over it. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, this one is hard to rank, but before we go into uh, talking about our um, how we would rate it, um, you know. Let me address some of the uh, online criticism of oh, this no. match and the oh, and the and the um bullshit and buffoonery. <laughs> yes, thank you. You know, my generation, which it was, I'm going to assume is the generation that largely uses Twitter and and social media. My generation grew up watching things like South Park, Family Guy, uh, Saturday Night Live. Never seen any of those shows. Um. Well, what the fuck is wrong with you? I don't. I don't know. But um, you know, we, we've we've seen horror movies, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, and all this. Stuff. I've never seen those movies. Okay, I'm gonna stop being trolled out. You know, and if you're a wrestling fan, you know you you. This was the time of ECW and violence all over the place, yeah. and I I I said that I was entirely too young to be watching ECW, but I still did. Um, but he, but here's the thing, folks. You know, this generation, the generation that grew up watching all of that, is the same generation that says it's too much. It's disgusting, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you can, you can have that opinion, sure. If you don't like the blood because you thought it was excessive, I, I understand that. Um, but but it's just the the level of of just bitchy, complainy pants boo-boos, I just, like, I don't what? understand. <laughs> um, okay, go on. I don't, Wait, say that again. <laughs> what would you call them? I said, "Bitchy complaining pants boobers." That's the um, title of this episode. 
<laughs> because I just I, I don't understand it because you're you're going to complain complain so much about a kid getting water thrown on him, but yet you're going to have a a, a back and forth about a match, but yet you're not going to acknowledge that a kid witnessing a match like that should be considered a thousand times worse than somebody throwing water on. But of course that's not part of the conversation because, you know, it's just, I, I, I don't get it. It's so ass backwards, but aside from any of that, it's like we grew up with this kind of shit. What's, yeah. the, what's the problem? You know, and plus when you order the pay-per-view, and, and you knew that this was the match and that John Moxley was in it. You knew that this was going to happen. And if you didn't know that this was going to happen, you're a fucking idiot. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I would I would love to have seen fans sit through and do the Butcher Bruiser Brody match. Well, I mean, how awesome was Bruiser Brody? But I but I'm talking with the the way Abdullah used to bleed in those matches. Uh, at the fence, they wouldn't be able to sit through an entire match. Oh, with please! They'd be, they'd be hiding under their mother's yeah, skirts, right? You know, it's just oh my god! You know, ridiculous. It's just, ladies and gentlemen, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I I'm not. Sometimes I really feel like I was born in the wrong generation. I'm not built for this. <laughs> Sissification of of society, which is which is personified by social media. You know what? That's it, Ben. I'm gonna. You are now officially born in the seventies, so you're gonna. I'm I'm your teacher. I'm gonna educate you on good wrestling when things weren't so watered down, for, exactly. because fans can't handle this. Well, I I appreciate that very much, and I'm not kidding. Um, so, I mean, the match was fun for what it was. You know, if you if you don't mind that kind of wrestling, which I don't, especially for this kind of feud, and I'm not squeamish as I said when it comes to professional wrestling. No, like um, in this one, I don't mind. It's the combat zone stuff that I really not a fan of. Uh, yeah. Um, do I want to see this kind of match all the time? No. No. Nope. Um, but um, but for this, it worked, and um, hopefully we can see both guys uh, move on to something else, preferably a little bit less bloody. Um, and let me pull up the um the review again because for some reason it disappeared on me. Um. While I'm doing that, Elio, can you um help me out with the next match? Just right, so, while I so hold on well, before we do, I do that. Six percent gave this match five star five out of five. No, I no, I would <laughs> give, no, I would give it a a, a three. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see what the Bleacher did. They gave it a B. No, no. <laughs> All right, so the next match uh, we have is for the TNT Championship: Samoa Joe versus Wardlow. I was very disappointed with this match. I don't right? know. I don't know if they had um, time constraints because they had the you know Iron Man match coming up, or 
something. But this match suffered from time cuts. This match and and both guys really suffered for it too because you know yeah. they did the best for what they had, but this match did nothing to help Wardlow. And and you know you guys maybe listen to this and are like, what he won the TNT title. Well, he won the TNT title coming out of his feud with MJF when he was hotter than hell. And and and, 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 now, and now he's gonna have, and now he has Will Hobbs as as his next challenger. Yeah, well, but my my point being, and and we'll get we'll get to Will Hobbs in a second. But my point being, so if and and I'm a fan of Wardlow. Let me just say this: I'm not saying this from a negative standpoint. But um, but considering how hot Warlow was coming out of his feud with MJF, with the TNT title around his waist, and how badly the ball was dropped, and we saw the debacle at Double or Nothing, um, you know, do you really think that this title win is going to help Warlow? Um, you know, more because, and I think, I think this time it's less to do with his opponents and, and circumstances than the title itself and how it's been treated because the TNT title, I feel like has been hot potato like the hardcore title was back in the day. And it's just like, or the 24 seven championship. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just um, I fail to see what value um, this title can bring to to um, Wardlow now because if this, if this was Wardlow winning it the first time, then it would be an entirely different story because the TNT title was worth so much more the first time. Yep. You know what I mean? So if the TNT title had the same amount of prestige then we'd be having an entirely different conversation. But the way that it's been treated is just awful. You know, the to be honest with you, the, the, the All-Atlantic title has been treated better than, than the TNT title, which I don't understand, but that's not, neither here nor there. Yep. Um, and I think... I think because there's been so much focus on the trios title, that's also hurt the uh, TNT title. I think there's just too many titles, too much hot potato lane trying to get so many talents on TV, or or maybe they just didn't know what they wanted to do with it. Because you know, and I love Samoa Joe. Don't don't get me wrong. You know, Elio can can vouch for me on this one. I've always been a Samoa Joe guy. Um, but there's no way in hell Samoa Joe needed the 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 TNT title. He should be, you know, in contest for the AEW World title. Mm-hmm. Like, and like I can understand why why he won the, the ROH TV title because he's an ROH original. You know, they bought him in at the ROH pay-per-view and it was a big deal. I got all that. But if you're going to use him on 
AEW TV as he should be, then he should have been elevated well past the TNT title because to me, that should be used as AEW's answer to the Intercontinental or US title. And, and Samoa Joe, as we all know, is so beyond that, it's not even funny. So, but, but going back to this match, it's just like, you know, why? And I felt like it was over before I blinked. You know, so I, am I happy? It was so short. And I, I'm, I'm happy for Wardlow, and I really hope that they, that they can fix what they, um, what they dropped the ball on the first time. But yeah. I don't know if they can, because he was so hot. Yep. You know, and. And it's it's not his fault, you know. Okay, this match. Uh, you what? What do you have? I'll give it a two. This match, uh, sixty percent. Give it a three. They're <laughs> what are they? What are they smoking? Or what? What are they serving at the AEW pre and post shows? That must be some good weed or some goddamn good tequila. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know because I don't smoke or drink, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> Next, we had the um, final four way for the tag team championships. Um, the acclaimed versus the gun club versus Orange Cassidy and Danhausen versus Jay Lethal Jeff Jarrett. I did not like this match, especially the end uh, with uh, Prince Nanigan in Danhausen's face and, and Orange Cassidy's face, and then of course, Sundam Singh there and uh. Dan Housen uh, getting in Sunham's face. I I agree with you. It was it was a joke, ladies ladies and gentlemen. Okay, this as I said earlier, this match could have been on the pre-show, no problem. Um, and quite frankly, I'm, and I'm not saying the talent should have been on the pre-show, but quite frankly, with how it turned out, you could also argue that Samoa Joe and Wardlow could have been on the pre-show or even saved for a dynamite. Um, because I think that they would have been more properly featured on the Dynamite if they were running short on time, as I suspect, and had to get to the 60-minute Iron Man match that we'll talk about in just a few minutes. Ben, I have a question for you. Yeah. Since you've uh, since you've followed ROH for a while, I, I have you seen Prince Nana? And I asked this because how was he? Was he always like this way? Or was he different in ROH? He he was slightly more serious, but he always had this kind of character. Yes. Okay, because I mean, this seems like a different character, like in uh, how he was in ROH uh, from what I've seen. Because like I he I know I know about the embassy and stuff, but yeah, it's like, but I mean, he had a much more serious edge to him. Yeah. Um. But um. You know, but a different presentation. But what I want to know, right? So, so, so two things, and and what first I'll mention Danhausen since he was involved in this fucking debacle yes. along with Fenton Singh. Now he was a very evil match. Well, I'll tell you what was Don't very do that. evil. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll tell you what was very evil to do to my eyeballs and eardrums. Uh oh. 
have, have the I don't know who the who the pre-show interviewer was, but on the on the zero hour they were they were interviewing all the people about their matches and whatever. Yeah. And and they were interviewing Dan Housen about who who he was gonna curse or whatever. Oh, and this and this guy was like saying Paul Abdul, Je- Jeff Goldblum. What? And I, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, all hex Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, what? What the? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know why? So, but but there's no reason why this match had to be on the card, none whatsoever. And if it, if it was going to be on the card, and quite frankly, it should have been booked this way from the beginning. Um, I don't really see a logical argument to the contrary, if I'm being honest. It should have been the Acclaim versus the Guns, yeah. period. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Elio? Yeah, so my final thoughts on this, I didn't really uh, like this match at all. I didn't really care for it. The, the ending was terrible. Everything with Dan Housing trying to curse everyone in the match, like, just stop. Yeah, it, it was. it's just painful. Um, and this match you got a three out of five. In what universe? <laughs> exactly. Oh. <laughs> so that brings us to our main event, which was the Iron Man match for the AEW World Championship, MJF versus Brian Danielson. This was incredible. This was a very good match. This was five out of five yeah. for me. And actually 100% gave it five out of five on here. I absolutely agree, one hundred percent. I can't really, was, I, I can't really even go through this match because you no, just no, have to watch t- it. It would take too damn long. This is the epitome of a match that you just have to watch. But take our take our word for it. This was a classic. Um, shout out to both guys. Um, you know, I I said on Twitter that this. It's matches like this that make me love professional wrestling because it is the perfect mix of. I mean, you know, you know what? I can actually I can go through the pinfalls. It's uh, the best that we can do. Like Danielson got the first fall with the Busaiku knee, and then uh, Danielson also got got the next fall uh, by disqualification. And then MJF uh, moved up one fall to two with a roll up, which I hate. Yeah. Then, then he tied it up again with another with a pin, and he moved up three to two with a heat seeker. Then Danielson tied it up with the regal stretch, and finally MJF with the the bell off for the submission to win it four to three. But see, did you notice what they did here? They, yeah. did, they did the whole Shawn Michaels Bret Hart WrestleMania 12 spot. Yeah, and they didn't do it very well because it was so telegraphed. And fucking Tony Schiavone, they have all people. They had him go down to the ring to uh, talk to the ref and the announcer. Uh, yeah, I didn't like that part. Like, what, what, what does Tony Schiavone have to do with the match? Like, Justin Roberts should have been the one communicating. Seriously, it should have been Justin Roberts. I would have had Tony Khan coming out because free at least uh, because Shivani said Tony Khan said that this match will continue. Like, man, who are you? 
like you Tony Khan said this. You even messed you now. Yeah, and it it would it would have made it feel that much more important if it was Tony Khan. Yep. So I agree. All right, so that is AEW Revolution overall. What do you have for this mat for this uh, show? I would I would give it a four out of five. I really would. Forty three percent to give it a five. <laughs> oh, they're they're high. I'm sorry. They just uh, <laughs> no. Like what is going on? What people are voting on WrestlingData.com? I don't understand. I I well I would like to know. All right, so we uh, say move on to Monday Night Raw. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna let me just pull up my notes here. My phone's being geared here with the clock. Okay, I'm just going to pull up my notes here. Okay. So, here we go. So, high points. I have uh, Solo Score and Kevin Owens. And I have uh, Jimmy Uso and uh, Sami Zayn. And I hope that John Cena Austin Theory uh, segment. Okay, what do you have for low points? Low points? I have the Miss TV segment. I mean, I, yeah, Logan Paul, I don't care. I did like how Seth Rollins said, no one likes you because you're scum of the earth. Well, well, from what I understand, there's a valid argument to be made for that. I'm saying, like, uh, for, like, overall, Miss TV itself is never any good. Uh, also, the whole Elias Rick Boog's uh, backstage interaction. Yeah. Was another wrong point. And I had to give it to Omas and Dolph Ziggler. And what are they doing with um, Mustafa Ali? With a super like He had a surprise. I... This was a surprise he had for Ziggler. Oh, for... <laughs> Help me. <laughs> You know, just give him his walking papers at this point. It's it's embarrassing. Like, what what do you have for high point on points? So, um, high points. I had uh, I had the um, John Cena Austin Theory segment. Um, also with John Cena and Cody Rhodes. That was very much the like the Hogan Rock passing of the torch or the um. Rock to John Cena passing out the torch, and John Cena got to do it for Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool. And um, and then I'd give a high point to the main event. Um, a- afterwards, um, you know, you could see the the turn from Jake coming a mile away. As a matter as a matter of fact, I actually counted down three, two, one before he super kicked him. Let me just say, uh, you know how any other story like uh like at the end of the raw, like the story uh, like leaves you a cliffhanger, but like it's like okay, it's just there. Every time they've left uh, uh the story at the end of the raw, it's always the feel it has that dramatic feeling to it. Yeah, I mean they it, it, they have done a masterful job telling this 
um, story with yep. with the bloodline, and every single person involved um, deserves credit for that. Yep. Um, you know, it's not just Roman. Um, you know, the Usos are doing incredible, incredible work. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to them, Sami Zayn. The run of his career, and I and I have been very honest in in saying that when he first came on, I'm like, what is what is going on here? Um, I I didn't understand it even even before he joined when they were even like teasing it like, hey, I would be a good ally for you guys. I'm like, what in, in the hell? Um, you know, but but they proved me wrong, and that and that's what I like. Like if I don't like something, I like being proven wrong, and that's what they did. Um, you know, so so he's done a masterful job. Like this has truly been one of the best stories that I've that I've seen in a very long time, and it's been, and it's partially going to be very sad when it's over, but it's also going to be interesting to see what they can do and and particularly where 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 does Roman go after this? Is he done after this? Nope. Well apparently uh I was dreaming he's gonna take time off or something. I don't know. Well if anyone uh, in, in all seriousness, if anyone deserves time off after this, it's him. Yep. I'm good. You know um and um you know but but what do the Usos do after this? Because I don't, I don't want them to win the tag team titles again. No. Um, because the, the, I mean, no disrespect to them, but there's no need. What I mean, what you've accomplished does more for more for them than twenty tag team title runs. You know, um, so it's going to be very interesting. Because this is what we're seeing right now with this bloodline stuff. This is career-defining material. This is truly cinematic. Like, how many times in, in professional wrestling, we've seen, like, cinematic matches and, like, dream matches, but how many storylines can you recall that have honestly been cinematic? Because it's Right off the bat, I'm th- I can think of two, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, and and this has just been so much fun. Um, so uh, but but so let's talk. But let's talk about some stuff outside of the in ring, because quite frankly, I found the in ring to be underwhelming, uh, by and large. So we get we got um. We got three WrestleMania matches that were suspected, uh, verified um, last night. Of, of course, John Cena versus Austin Theory. Um, and then Edge versus Finn. And then the um, six-woman tag um, between Damage Control, Trish Stratus, Lita, and Becky Lynch. And, uh, yeah, and I, at first I was like, wait, why are they doing this? And then I remembered, well, they, I was reading that Ronda is still not ready for uh, WrestleMania. She's still in, uh, with injury. Yeah, and so that's why they did it, which, yeah. which okay, so I'm, I'm more forgiving. 
since I read that. Um, but um, but so from their perspective, we, we got what we needed to iron out. Uh, but this, from a wrestling perspective, left a lot to be desired. Um, because I had a lot more uh, low points than I did high points. Okay. I was I was very disappointed in Bianca Belair um, versus um, Carmella. Okay. Same could be said with the opening match with Kevin Owens and Solo Sokoa, although I understand that that was done to set up the storyline. I get that. Or to continue. Uh, nobody gives a single fuck about Omos and Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> nobody. Um <laughs> And, and, you know, as much as I like Johnny Gargano, what is he doing beating Finn Balor ahead of his WrestleMania match with Edge? I didn't get that at all. Piper Niven beating Nikki Cross in, I think, like, 44 seconds. Oh, the f- yeah, that was a quick one. I was like, wait a minute, what's going on? The fuck was that? That so was, was uh, you, know, you know what? I don't know which was shorter, Omos and uh, Ziggler or Piper Niven and Nikki Cross. Well, I wanted to, but you know, I. But this, um, this reviewer is saying the exact same thing that I said. It's much, it's much more story driven and much less match driven, um, which I can get behind. But, but I've always been a firm believer in you know you have to have both, and you can't just coast into WrestleMania season from the in ring uh, perspective. Um, but I do like that we got um, that we got some storyline continuance with um, the bloodline, and I am certainly um, going to be glued to my TV come Friday. Now, one thing about Raw that we did not see that I absolutely hate, Uh-oh. and I hate to bring the mood down a few notches because so far I'm having fun tonight. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, and then thank you for that, Elio. Good to see you. It's been a while since we did one of these. At least it feels like it. Um, Vince McMahon. It was backstage. Yes. I know. Stay the fuck away. And then there's some people were saying, he's, he's growing a mustache. No one cares. I, I saw the picture. I'm like, that's so Photoshopped. Well, I saw it. It did look photoshopped to me, but ask me if I care. Uh, do you care? <laughs> no. Absolutely not. I, I, I have never cared about a man's m- mustache ever in my entire life. Uh, what I do care about is that we should go into break and uh, come back. Uh, and wrap up, wrap up Monday Night Raw, and I get into all the fun stuff. All right, very good. All right, we're done, and that wraps up our review of Monday Night Raw. Ben, we're gonna get into this tournament because we have we have the final results. The the first time I gave you the temporary results, but uh, these are the actually the final ones for the week. Absolutely, hit me. So we have. The Bloodline defeating Nation of Domination with 67% of the votes to 33%. Those bastards. 
And in the second match, we had D-Generation X defeating the Brood 85% to 15. The who, the who defeating the Brood? D-Generation X. Okay, well, that's not surprising. So, that sets up the matches for the next bracket. We have D-Generation X versus the White Family. And the blood and the bloodline versus the Ministry of Darkness. Oh man, that's gonna be a hell of a round. <laughs> now, um, I was I told you guys I messaged you that I had put together a couple of new tournaments that I had found, but I want to really uh, clear up this list that I have. Like I have like four tournaments here. So, but so the first one I have. Is the top ten most controversial tag teams? Okay. The second list I have is I'm not sure how we can put this, but the top ten baby faces that were hard to book. The third. Um. Okay, that's a little. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, we just do a random one like that. We don't have to title it. The okay. next one is every number one PWI wrestler. So, um, PWI wrestler ninety. So we could have like, who who is the number one PWI wrestler of the nineties? And okay. the, and the fourth one I have is the top ten. Ah, here we go. Here's where I had uh, all the other ones combined. So I have the ten worst heel turns in the Attitude Era. The best worst pay per view. Um, the best all the top ten best Attitude Era heel turns, and the top ten best heel wrestlers. Oh, I mean, you got tons of lists. Which ones do you want to do? Which ones oh, do you well, want to do that, first? That, that's why, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna let you decide which one you want to do next. Because I have to set up the. I I found a top twenty five uh, music themes from the Attitude Era, the the eighties era, and uh, today. Okay, well, um, but I, I have to set, I have to set those up. But like of the ones that I already told you, what do you want to do? Um. Probably, cause just because I'm um, just because I'm curious, probably the the top ten uh, faces that were hard to book. All right, so on that one, yeah, cause we can get that one other way. So on that one, that list we have Hulk Hogan. Oh my lordy, lordy, lord. <laughs> Master Master P. He's all WCW actually. I didn't write. I, I didn't write that. Master I Master P is on that list. Yeah, I didn't. I, I the, didn't know the, they were the, all WCW. The rapper. Yeah. Ah. Uh, next we have Lex Luger, Eric Watts, Eric Bischoff, Chris Jericho, The Booty Man, Buff Bagwell, Alex Wright, and Sid Vicious. Oh my God in hell. 
<laughs> I mean, it's up to you. Yeah. It's up to you. I just do this on my TikTok page just for the hell of it. Uh, no, you know what? We're not going to do that one. I'm not going to subject myself. No, no, I, no, I'm saying I can just do that on my TikTok page just for yeah, the hell of it. Let, let's do that because I don't no, I don't want to do that. I'm on a podcast. No, no, I'm not do on a podcast. I'm just going to do that on my own. But what, so which one do you want to do? Um, so outside, not uh, outside of those other ones I mentioned about heel turns and stuff, I have most controversial tag teams. The every number one PWI wrestler of the 90s. And let's do that one. This one like every, that. Okay, so this list is a top seven. All right, because it's PWI 1990 to 99. Okay. So I'm not seeing a 1990. I guess they didn't start until 91. But, okay, so we have Steve Austin, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Sting, Dean Malenko, Hulk Hogan, and Diesel. Oh, boy. Oh, Lordy. Is that, is that, is that good? Yes. That, one right. is, that one's much better. Okay. All right. Um, so, should we set up the matches uh, right now? Um, You know what? Let's let's hold off. Just because this is a... Uh, oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. We have to finish this, uh, this other tournament. What am I saying? We have to finish yeah. this one first. So, we'll set that up on Saturday. Okay. All right, so Ben, I found a couple of videos uh, ranking the WWE themes. Oh, Jesus. This could either go very well or very badly. And All right, yeah. so, no, sorry, I, I, I muted myself because I had to turn the volume up in, uh, on the video. Oh, okay. All right, so here's the first one. Ranking wrestling themes, top 10. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Oops, hold on. Let me uh, go back. All right, here we go. Yes, sir. Let's okay. Go. Are you ready for this? Absolutely. At number ten, Naomi. Poor, poor Naomi. She didn't deserve that. And number nine, the Bella Twins. I would have, I would have put the Bella Twins at number ten, quite frankly. And number eight, Sasha Banks. What the? 
<laughs> Are you okay? I don't know. I don't know. Continue. At number seven, Alexa Bliss. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Alexa number... Bliss's theme is better than Sasha Banks. <laughs> and number, number six, Lacey Evans. There's no... <laughs> <laughs> you mean to tell me that Lacey Evans' theme is better than Tasha Banks? Holy crap! Here are your top. Here are your top five. Mercedes, help me, please. Here are your top five. And number five, AJ Lee. Uh, okay, well that's decent. And number four, Stephanie McMahon. Uh, that's criminally low on the list. And number three, Carmella. Oh my god. <laughs> and, number, and number two, we have Paige. Oh, this is physical time. And number one, are you ready? Yeah. The Iconics. Oh, fuck off. Oh, Jesus. But Ben, guess what? what? I have you in a second list for you. Oh, <laughs> You're just grinning from ear to ear. You, you Are you ready? Yes. You, you, Here we go. You're really embracing your inner Vince tonight. Roman Reigns. Holy fucking shit. Uh, um, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> number nine, we have Austin Theory. That's the most annoying theme in history. I know, right? Well, other than Jillian Hall, but yeah. And number eight, we have the Usos. And number seven, we have the Judgment Day. I hope you can see the pain and misery <laughs> in my eyes. <laughs> and number six, we have the Street Profits. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Here we go to the top five. You mean the bottom five, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and number five, we have Bray Wyatt. And number four, we have Seth Rollins. Uh, and number three, we have Cody Rhodes. What? And number two, we have Sami Zayn. 
Zane. 
That is Jeff Jarrett. I'm almost proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> you were number nine. You were number nine. Shawn Michaels. I just saw on Twitter that he brought uh, Johnny Gargano uh, back to NXT to face Grayson Waller. God. I'm not sure why. I didn't catch the context, but. All right, here we go. Uh, track 10. Oh. Um, Mickey James. Mickey James, yes. All right, number 11, here we go. Baron Corbin. Boo! No, it is not. It's King Corbin. It's the same shit. All right, here we go. Track number 12. That is Candice LeRae. Damn, she she should be used so much better. She was she's such an asset. All right, here we go, number thirteen. Our truth. No, it is not. It's wrong killings. All right, our truth. Okay, here we go. Number fourteen. What the hell? Um, pass. I don't know. That is King Mabel. Oh, okay. Yep. Speaking of which, I'm into now. You know, well, I'll tell you that after we're done with this before we sign off. All right, here okay. we go. Track number f- uh, 15. God damn, I'm I'm blanking really bad. Um, can you play that again? All right, hold on. Here we go. Oh fuck. Um, I'm gonna kick myself and punch myself simultaneously. Um. <laughs> Pass. That is Paige. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. Here we go, number 16. There will be no stopping. Uh-huh. It's when you go harder than somebody, man. This right here uh-huh. is domination. Uh-huh. 
Ezekiel Jackson. Ezekiel Jackson. Now let me ask you, if I had played five seconds of that, would you have gotten it if I only played five? Yeah. Yeah, I recognize it. I admit, I missed that one because we had that one on the show. On WPOV, of right in there, I believe. All right, here we go. Next one up. Edge, yes. I love that intro. All right, track 18. Wait, let me mark it down. Here we go. So you have 10. All right, track number 18. Here we go. Um, the corporate ministry. Yes! Wow. That's the. Is that the wait? This is track twelve or three? No, track eighteen. Yeah. Wait, is this the first time you got this one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember we played it uh, another time and you didn't get it that time. All right. Yeah. Corporate ministry. You are up to eleven. Here we go. Track nineteen. Jack Swagger? No. That is Alpha Academy. Oh, shit. Are you on track 20? Here we go. Um, fuck. I don't know. That is the Mean Street Posse. Oh, shit. <laughs> Good God. All right, Benny, ready? This is your last one. Okay. Track 21. Uh, Seamus should bring that one back. That one was always badass. Seamus, yes. All right, so that's 21 tracks. You scored 12. Not bad. All right, so you know what? Let's see what the next one would have been. That is Earthquake. Yeah, that's, that one's bad. <laughs> right? All right, so so I played Lion King there earlier with uh, King Mabel, for, that was King Mabel's, okay? So right. now you, you know, since June of last year, I've been watching all the old Monday Night Raw's from 93 and 94. Right. I'm currently into 1995. I am now on to WrestleMania 11 because I just finished watching the final. I just finished watching the final Raw of uh, March of '95. The, oh, the, cool. the the go home show to WrestleMania 11. Cool. 
And uh, it had the main event on this one was Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. Oh man. Yeah. You know that Owen Hart could have been a world champion so many times. Yep. All right. So um He would have been a surefire Hall of Famer. Well he should be in. I don't know why he's still not Martha. Well, you know, partially I partially I don't blame her for that. I mean, because she does blame Vince, and I can't, I, you know, I can't really, I don't know if I would blame Vince for the actual occurrence, because, that, you know, that seemed like a mal, malfunction of equipment, but what I can blame him for is continuing with the show. Um, and I can, I can very easily see that um, pissing her the fuck off. Yeah. Um. So, you know, um, I, I get it. <clears throat> All right. So our tournament will continue with the final, with the next two matches. And we'll have the results for you on Saturday. And then we will start the PWI Wrestler of the 90s tournament. Who is the number one PWI Wrestler of the 90s? Oh, God. Here we come, Dave. <laughs> Jesus. Well, hold on. PWI, you're getting that confused with Wrestling Observer. Wrestling Observer sucks. Well, yeah, yeah as well. This, so, is, this, uh, this is Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I got it confused. Yes, I think, isn't PWI, um, I could be wrong, but isn't that Wade Keller? Oh, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, 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 that's Wade yeah, Keller. Oh, oh. Okay, well, at yeah. least I at least I corrected myself. Yeah, Peter, because he has his his uh, podcast every weekend. Uh, yeah, Peter Bear Magazine's been around since like the eighties. Cool. Yeah, I love Peter. I I had a few magazines. Very cool. All right, so before we go, we have a couple of pl- things to plug. Of course, we have the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Amazon Music with myself and Ben. And you can also find me on Saturdays on Wrestling POV along with Tony Diaz and the 50 Old Man Clay coming and our occasional co-host joining us, Ben Pierce, the original Pierce. I'm still waiting for my first invite in 2023. And you can find us on... TikTok, Tony. And you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn Radio. And we are on Amazon Music as well. So that does it for the plugs. Um, Ben, we'll be back here on Saturday, yes? Yes, Yes, sir. All right. So for my co-host, Ben, I'm Elio... We will talk to you all on Saturday. Ben, sing nice to the fans. Good night, fans. And you pulled off, pulled off a miracle. Somehow, you bewitched my brain to get me to watch NXT for Roadblock for Saturday. I don't know how you did it, but you did it. And we're going to talk about it I, on I, 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 I enlisted Denhausen's help with uh, putting a curse on you.
I I know. What 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 the fuck? I I I join I joined the rings of Paula Abdul and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jeff Goldblum. What, what the hell? Help me! And in the meantime, while I get psychiatric assistance, we'll see you next time right here on the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to the